Cosby transfer two fifty a week. Talking business. Never business. It never ends. Never ends, mate. I've just jumped off a mentorship call. Jump into this. Jump on another mentorship call. Um, two athletes come in for testing. Eleven twenty. It just goes and goes and goes and goes. See that? There you go. I've thought about this earlier this morning with you, Carl, and Sean. Obviously, when he comes on, if he comes on, um, you, Lockie, AA. There's a lot. And this is not the only thing. You, this business is. It takes up a lot of mental space, physical effort, and time. How do you think about and partition out how much time you can then dedicate towards your family and your friends and leisure time? Because yeah, you, you well, could just work all day if you wanted to, and you'd get to the goal quicker. Yeah. Well, th- there's a few. There's a few things in that. The first of all, the the goal is that that myth of arrival. Is, is literally that there's a myth because what is the goal? Yeah, yeah, like, okay. what is the goal in business? Yeah, yeah. It's a good question to ask because I don't think a lot of people actually ever really consider it properly. Um, and every time I think about it, the, the goal is always changing. It's, it's just perpetual. Mm. You know, in business, have, I, you may have come across that idea of, you know, it's an infinite game. You're constantly playing until you stop. Exactly. And you're dead. And the business is either get sold or you move on or you die mm-hmm. or you retire. Um, you know, it, it's going to keep going. And, and in business, unlike sport or anything like that, there is no agreed upon set of rules. You know, business A does not need to perform in the same way that business B does. It doesn't need to have the same objectives or, um, or goals. No one one business can be very profit orientated. Another business can be um, orientated in a different direction. Um, there is no agreed upon set of rules, and no two businesses are playing the same game. Yeah. In which case, the goal of business is just to keep going. So when you say, "Well, get to the goal quicker," the goal is just keep going, mm. and so that never ends. It just keeps on going in perpetuity like and and that's an interesting idea because then well how do you then balance something that doesn't stop with the other types of commitments you have and i think this is a constant challenge for any business owner who who is who has huge vision for for what they want their business to be like ask ask elon musk that you know how are you going spending time with your family when you work 16 hours yeah, a day? He has a kid now too. Yeah. And he's got, has he got more than one kid? No, he's just got one. He's just got one. Yeah. XR572. Yeah, he's got all the letters and numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, how's he going? Yeah. I, I guess the question is you, it sacrifices. You, you choose what you want to prioritize and then you need to own that decision. I've owned the decision that I will, I will work for the family and create the space and time for Nikki to work um, to support Huey yeah. and support herself. So she doesn't have to work. I'll do the working. That's my contribution to the family. And then her contribution is um, to create the, the best environment for Huey to thrive and for the family to thrive. And arguably one of the most, this is arguably one of the most important roles in society, in, in my opinion, right, is nurturing a family. Um, and fostering the development of human beings because that's like that's education that's that's yeah. becoming a human being an adult um, so I know a lot of health professionals and coaches they all come to these crossroads any businessman and woman right they come to these crossroads where it's like well how much time and energy do I invest in this versus family leisure just downtime and is that something you establish from kind of very early on in your relationship? Do you, is that what you recommend to people to have those really clear lines of communication and lines in the sand? How did Probably you do not. it? Probably not because I don't think, I think your business is going to demand uh, different things of you at different times. Okay. And I think you need, I think you need to probably set the expectation with your significant other. And if you have family, obviously with your kids, um, that there are going to be times in, in life where that's going to take extra resources from you. And there are going to be times in life where you can actually put that aside and, and spend more time with the family. I think yeah. 
I think there are trade-offs at any point in time and you can realistically dictate those trade-offs based on your value hierarchy. Like what do you value? At the end of the day, I can't value my family at all times higher than my business Hmm. because that's actually not valuing my family because if my business deteriorates, I'm not valuing my family because then my family isn't given the resources and the support that it needs to thrive. So, you know, I, it's, it's always a conscious decision for me to trade out uh, some time for family, for the business and then vice versa. I'll trade out time away from the business to spend time with family, but it's never, it's never a, it's never a balance or a, an equilibrium, so to speak. It's never in a, this perfect state of balance. It's it's like a constant tug and pull, like a rope. Yeah, of course. It's the best way to think of it. Yeah. And sometimes I'm on one side of the line and sometimes on the, I'm on the other. But your family understands that. Like you've communicated that. Yeah. My, my wife has only ever known me as a business owner. Um, and I've been consistent with that. It's not like I have, have changed the goalpost in the sense that I came in saying, hey, no, you get to hang out with someone who never works. Um, I've always worked hard. I've always done 60-hour weeks. So she's used to it. But there's, there's upside. I don't know too many 29-year-old, she's 28, I'm 29, where she doesn't have to work and theoretically she may not have to work for the rest of her life and, and will still probably make more money than most two-parent households. Mm. Um, and then have the cost of, well, hang on, how are you looking after your kids and your family if, if they're spending all their time at daycare while you're trying to work? And that's... The- um, that's the I don't want that. Yeah, I don't want that for my family, and they're each each their own. I'm not working hard to send my kid to daycare so they can, so someone else can grow my kid up. Right. I want to. I want to grow my kid up, and if I can't, I want my wife to to nurture my my kids. I don't want a freaking 23 year old who's done a cert four in in <laughs> early childhood yeah. to be the main influence on my kid. Um. So yeah, trade offs, I guess. How did you then? How did you get to that point? Because I think a, a lot of young, a lot of human beings, a lot of coaches, a lot of businessmen and women, they want to get to that point where they can facilitate that lifestyle for themselves and their family, where they're that financially stable and they're doing something that's meaningful and fulfilling to them. Like, I know it's a big question, like, where do you even go? But like, what are the big pillars that got you to this dance? You need to, you need to make a decision that you intend to to be more valuable to the world than, um, how do I put this? To get to that point, you need to be of so much value to your sphere of influence that you're exceeding, your contribution exceeding what you draw out. So the best way I think of it is this way. We've gotten to the point in time where we are of a lot of value to our athlete community um more kind of in close proximity to the facility but also probably to the wider coaching community and because we're of a lot of value that value transfers into cash at at the end of the day at some point in time it transfers to cash i can then because we're so valuable i can extract a fair bit of cash out and still be net positive the business can still be net positive so me and Lockie can draw very good wages and i can then mean lucky can both provide the financial security we need to our family and so you know nikki doesn't have to work i think dom works Lockie's wife dom works because she loves to work but so theoretically we're, we're both in pretty good positions that's you have to get to that point in time where you can be of more value to you to the community and leave a legacy mm. that there is a big difference or differential between what you're extracting and what you're giving okay or at least providing. And probably easy to think of this in like Steve Jobs, for example. The reason Apple is so profitable and everyone hates on, well, at least it seems to be popular, hate on capitalism these days. Steve Jobs has been more valuable to the world than he could ever ask for. So so there's a big difference there between what he's extracted and what he's provided. And that's the profit. The gap is the profit of that business is when you are so valuable to, to the world in, in this case, you, the business simply cannot extract enough 
money um, to, to, to fund it. And there is a big difference in profit at the bottom line. And then he benefits from that profit. Not anymore, obviously. Um, but you kind of, you can kind of get that idea in any, in any capitalist society, when you're providing so much value when the business or the enterprise is providing so much value that it exceeds the cost to run it, you get profit. And that's a good thing. You shouldn't be upset about that. Or guilty, right? Or guilty. Yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't be fucking guilty about that because you're actually being more valuable to the world than the costs of the business to operate. Mm. That's what profit is. Right. It's such a, it's, I don't understand why people find that so hard to believe and, and feel so bad about profit and think profit is such a bad thing, those dirty corporations. Yeah, right, because it has that stigma and stereotype and people like think everything's supposed to be altruistic and everything's supposed to be just give and no exchange. But that's yeah. not the reality. Yeah, the exchange has been happening because you're, you're enjoying all the benefits of your iPhone. Mm. And they're profiting. And yeah. That yeah, the, the 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 consumer also benefits yes. significantly from the technology. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really interesting. So you know, for for S and C coaches, if you're looking at, if you're looking honestly yourself, and you say, you know what, I'm probably not providing enough value to the world, mm. and that's probably the reason why you're also not earning what you want to earn, and it's probably highly correlated. If your value to the and contribution to the world is very high, you're likely to have the type of financial security you deserve um, and need to to create stability um, outside of work. Okay, that's what you need to get to. Yeah. Like, so a very simple question is: if you're not there, how can you be of more value to people? And when you guys ask that question to yourselves, early, let's go early AA days. Yeah. What was the answer? What did you guys do? No. That's why I was on 80 grand a year. The answer was no. I wasn't being valuable to the community. We weren't producing resources. Mm. We weren't honest. We weren't transparent. We weren't serving athletes the way we do. We weren't trying to provide the best quality service at the best possible price so it looks really appealing for athletes to join. We weren't doing any of those things. So of course I'm going to be earning 80 grand a year. And I was very lucky to earn 80 grand a year. Um, so yeah, the answer is no, we weren't. In 2017, 2018, we were nowhere near doing what we are doing now. What was that moment that you realized that? Like, how did you get, gain that self-awareness? Um, Lucky was probably really helpful in that sense, being in pro sport, there is he was able to provide more value to you know his professional sports team and so he certainly got paid better than i got paid as you'd expect um and me helping realize that if we were going to get parity um across that domain aa needed to be as valuable as Lockie was valuable to Parramatta Reels or as Lockie was valuable to gos giants we had to be valuable to our sphere of influence equally and that's when you saw things like KVLR mobility courses come out. That's where you saw fixed fee rehabilitation come out. No one still, despite, you know, it being public knowledge, and I got all that shit early on from the No Gap Sports Physiotherapy initiative I took. Like what? Everyone, everyone hated on me for that. I'm not Same familiar. T- okay. When I first realized we weren't doing enough to provide the support for rehabilitating athletes that we could be, mm-hmm. I implemented a no gap sports physiotherapy initiative where we attracted a really high quality physio, Nalesh Murdy from the Giants. I said, you can take 100% of revenue and it's going to cost you nothing to be here. I want to provide you with all, your, all the athletes for you to service, but I want you to do it at a no gaps cost with a minimum $55 per half hour session. So his return was $110 per hour, which isn't bad when I think it was probably on maybe like 40 or 50 at the Giants. So it wasn't bad for him. I made no money from it, but I was able to increase my value. The AA became more valuable. Did the clients, are you saying the clients got it for free? So they're saying the clients, if they swipe their card, and their private healthcare covered a minimum $55 on a normal consult, I think it was 130 
So that's 35% or something like that. They didn't pay anything out of pocket. Okay. So that's how I set up the initiative. At the time, so many physiotherapists called us out saying, um, you know, we're providing a cheap service. We're degrading physiotherapy. Um, and we, in essence, we should essentially be ashamed for our, uh, of ourselves for, for doing this to the physiotherapy industry. And, you know, athletes will soon find out that if they pay peanuts, they'll get monkeys. That's a direct quote from a, from a physiotherapy lecturer who was not too keen on the initiative. I knew early on that we were actually going to do something incredibly valuable for athletes because what we were going to be able to do is provide a service, provide value that they otherwise may not take because the cost to high quality physiotherapy are prohibitive. If you get a really good sports physiotherapist, you're looking at easily 130 to $150 per session, easily, if they're any good. And then at acute stages of management, let's say an ACL, that may be two or three sessions a week. Now, most people don't have the $490 to spend and therefore won't get the support they need. They won't take it. They will go to some, you know, clinical physiotherapist, do their, you know, hands on stuff, leave, come back next week, get a few exercises on a piece of paper, not be comprehensive, not be thorough. And then in six months time or seven months time, they're going to severely lack the confidence they need to return to sport. And so that's what we were seeing. We were seeing a huge chunk of athletes under, under conditioned, underprepared and underconfident return to sport because they had followed traditional physiotherapy models. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to integrate the model. I'm going to make sure athletes who join our programs don't pay out of pocket for physiotherapy and I'm going to cap their price. So I cap their price at $167 per week. You'll get all your training, all your rehab, all your physio, all your mental skills training, everything that you need to get back to sport. What that type of initiative did is it helped AA become more valuable to the community. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, that transposes into a huge personal benefit to the, the owners of the company and to all the people I get to employ. I get to employ a whole bunch of people into a facility that they love. They love to come to work because they they feel valuable. So if I think going back to the original question, it was what was the turning point? Mm-hmm. I realized that we weren't being valuable enough. And I needed to create something that was really truly valuable and compellingly valuable. It's compelling. People call me all the time. So I've never heard of this before. Can you explain to me how it works? Like, what do you mean I only have to pay $167 a week? Like, will you tr- still train me? Do I, yeah. do I get to come into the gym? Yeah. Do I get my upper body, get my conditioning? Yeah, you get all of that. What do you mean by mental skills? Yeah, you'll get your mental skill support from from performance psychologist. What do you mean? How can I only pay $167 for all, all this? Right. But because I want to be valuable to you. I care about you. And it still has ultimately left me in a way better personal position, locked into a better personal position. And we've, we've um, on average, employing someone part-time every single month now because of the demand. It's interesting because what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had to essentially sacrifice short-term money, right? Because you, you, you were giving the revenue away, right? So you were in a loss for this initiative. Yeah. Yeah, 100% of it, yeah. But you recognize that the long-term ramifications of disproportionately giving value and helping people were going to be worth it long-term. Yeah, so this is called orders of consequence. And it's a very simple idea from Ray Dalio's book. Something that benefits you in the short term is likely to be a cost you in the long term. And something that uh, is of a consequence or a, or suffers in the short term is usually a benefit in the long term. Okay. So if you look at an investment, you've got you've got $100,000 of liquid capital, for example, and you want to buy a house. In the short term, you you have to put in 100 grand of liquid capital. That's a short-term loss yeah. because you now don't have that capital available to spend freely. But in the long term, you then get to essentially leverage the equity growth of a property and you end up with more capital than you started 
and at a better at a better interest rate than you would get if you just left the money in the bank. That is a, that is an order of consequence idea. So the more that you can deal with the adversity in the short term, you, the more you're likely to benefit in the long term. Very so when I looked at that and said, you know what, I'm not going to make a dollar from adding high quality physiotherapy to our program. I don't want to make a dollar because I know in the long term, if they if they can get their physiotherapy for free when they join their program, I still benefit from the hundred or so dollars when they join the program that I otherwise won't get because they won't join. Mm. So when you bring them all together, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. in an integrated approach, which is exactly how pro sport does it anyway. That's not. That's just. That's what is best practice. And any physiotherapist who would want to try and argue that a clinical medical-based approach where you lie on a plinth, you rub your knee down for 30 minutes, you write a few exercises on a piece of paper and then send them on the way till next week is best practice. I'd love to, I'd love to have a conversation with them yeah. because we're seeing it time and time again that six months down the track, seven months down the track, these guys are completely deconditioned because they're not playing sport. Mm. They're not getting the sports and the conditioning exposure from sport because they, they're injured. They're, they're used to now this paradigm of lie on a plinth for 30 minutes and, and get a rub down and then write a few exercises on a piece of paper. They, they've completely, they're like mush as an athlete. By the time we seven six months, they're like, I'm not confident. You know, I, I think I need to do some training. No fucking shit. You should have been training from day one. We have our athletes like day one on the gym floor. Yeah. Well, that's not quite true. Day three on the gym floor. Day one, they're in bed. Day three, they're already working on gait mechanics. They're already doing upper body. They're doing some trunk stuff. They're already training day three post ACL. And it's it's a complete paradigm shift away. What isn't that? I think that's super valuable. Would you go as far to say that then more coaches... Okay, it's obvious, read between the lines, more coaches and health professionals should do that. But how far do we go? do you recommend even doing free programs? Like you guys do it with giving away free PDFs and resources, but you know, how do you figure out whether something should be given for free versus an upfront small cost? Very easy. Cause I've thought about this a lot. Mm. Um, free resources need to provide um, part of the solution. If, if it's a resource and it's free, it needs to be part of the solution. And then I'm happy to give it away. If you never give away the complete solution. Now that might be because there are additional elements of you involved. If it's a done with you type service, like an ACL rehab is, it's not just purely autonomous. You do have interactions with physio. You know, that would be a done with you service that is not given away for free, but I am more than happy to give away part of the solution for free. That would be an example of our, um, you know, our knee protection programs, or our ankle protection programs, or our hamstring protection programs. It's part of the solution. If all you did is our knee protection program, you would not be conditioned for sport because you're not doing everything else. So that's how we draw the line. Now, then you can make the argument, well, if you provide part of the solution and you provide all the parts of your solution, couldn't it be combined together to complete solution? Yes, so don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, so you're just giving your whole then, service yes. for free. Yes. So don't do that. Choose what you want to give away, um, and and probably choose the things that are going to be valuable to people. Um, but don't obviously give away everything, um, because you, you this is not a charity. You never succeed in business being a charity. No. Mm, interesting. What was another that like you guys had to realize your value and deliver it. What was another op opportunity that you guys saw that there was this rehab initiative? What was another one that gave disproportionate value to the community and helped this growth that we've seen in the last couple of years? Mentorship. Mentorship. I spent a lot of money on mentorships and then I, I gave myself, um, I gave myself permission to mentor others. I just got off a call. Um, I didn't ask permission to, to, to mention these numbers. So I won't say I just got off the call with um, one of the, one of my mentees who's a car um, and he's gone from an average 
of $13,000 a month prior to working with me to an average. And this is now for the last three or four months. So this is not just one um, piece of sample data to $25,000 a month. That's game changing. Mm. That's fucking game changing when you can double your revenue without employing more staff, just become more efficient with your systems. Mentorship. Mentorship. But, but so th- those two things. But interesting, yeah. you said I gave myself the permission. Yes. What do you mean by that? Um, in any type of role where you are mentoring others or guiding others who are of who are your peer group, you you get something what's called imposter syndrome. Yeah. And and that imposter syndrome, you have to give yourself permission to say, I'm happy to look in the mirror and feel this way, but do it anyway. Because you are going to feel like an imposter. It's no point trying to not feel like an imposter. And you're not going to be perfect. I pick up on things in my business that are not perfect and my systems are not perfectly optimized. And I flag that. And, you know, if I waited till every system was perfectly optimized, I wouldn't have mentored anyone at this point in time. Mm. I would have never changed anyone's lives. So those two things, I invested, I gave permission to invest in myself. And then I gave myself permission to invest the ideas I've learned in, uh, into other people's businesses and be, um, be honest and to, to know that ultimately, like I'm investing, I'm investing my ideas into businesses that are like my own all throughout Australia. And that, that, that is knowing that, you know, AA is probably going to expand into those areas at some point in time. And why would I be disadvantaging my growth? Why would I help keep other people small? But that's not a good way of thinking about it. When you can, when you can expand other people's lives and, and, and help them reach more athletes, you grow the pie. Hmm. More people and more athletes will see the need for quality S and C. It's that old, old idea of, what happens when you put multiple pizza stores on the same road? More people buy pizza. It's that I. What is it? The. Uh, what is that idea where you have a pie and people think um, you take from the pie? There's only a limited number. Of course, yeah. You're much better off growing the size right. of your pie. Yeah, and that's, you know, our goal. We know. And anyone who's in SNC knows that the vast majority of people playing sport are not investing in an SNC program. They're not. Hmm. They're not doing it. So I know that there is a fuck ton of pie that is left uncooked. I'm much more interested in cooking more pie than I am taking from the pie that's already cooked. Right. So when I help other business owners who run athlete development programs, who run physiotherapy clinics, who run chiropractic clinics, whatever it might be. I know that in the long run, more people will be seeing the need for this service. And even when I inject athletes authority into these states, I'm not going to be at a disadvantage. The pie will grow. Yeah, the pie has grown because of what I'm doing. Yeah. To backtrack a little bit, you mentioned the disproportionate value you gave to this mentor e and he grew his business his revenue he's able to help more people without giving away too much of the solution maybe giving a part of the solution what was yeah well i can talk yeah i can talk about it because you don't get me and i'm part of the solution so i'm happy to talk about all of it beautiful well Um, essentially in one sentence how did you do that great so there are five things that every business needs to nail or at least start to optimize and iterate on before that they can really succeed okay. the first is how can you improve your value offering we've kind of been speaking about this how can you get more clear about the transformation that you provide and how you can how can you start to guarantee that transformation in a more effective reliable way most people who and let's take snc for example most people who offer snc don't actually have a transformation that they're providing at, the, at that point, they're offering a deliverable like a program or a deliverable like coaching, but don't actually guarantee anything. There is no transformation, either subjective or objective, that is happening 
with that client. So the very first thing that you need to do is how can I help articulate the transformation that the athlete is going to experience more effectively? How can I make that clearer for the athlete so that they can essentially experience that transformation or the emotions associated with that transformation in advance? And that's what we sell. We're not chewing gum. We don't get the results straight away for our for the people who purchase our product or our service. Mm. So we have to get really good at communicating the, the emotions in advance that they're going to feel when they're more confident, when they're stronger, when they're more powerful, when they have more self-belief, whatever it is. So that's step one. How do you articulate that transformation and that, that value that you provide? The second thing that you need to do, you need to have three very well-refined streams of marketing. What do you do organically? That's your organic distribution. So many coaches do not start because of this imposter syndrome. I could not count how many times I said, I just don't know what to say. Mm. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? Say something. Say something. It's going to be better than nothing. The only thing that worse than being wrong is being invisible. It's the only thing worse. So just start. I don't care if you talk about a fucking goblet squat or how to balance better, who gives a fuck. Organic distribution, that's a pivotal part of marketing, is when people are looking at you and athletes essentially canvassing their options, they're looking for someone who's bold enough to stand behind something and have a belief in something. Because that's part of looking for a role model or a mentor is do they believe in something? And so when they go on your Instagram and it's fucking a post from three years ago, that's not a good start. That's not a great start. Or it's one post every two months. First thing you need to do. Second thing you need to do is you need to get better at interruption-based marketing. Interruption-based marketing is marketing via social media platforms. Different to organic, even though they use social media platforms. Interruption-based marketing is where you actually pay for people's attention. And you only need to go and watch Social Dilemma to see the impact of paying for people's attention. That is the asset. Attention is the asset. You're talking about ads, even paying other ads. Yep. businesses to work together. Yep, or collaborations, all those types of things, but specifically paid ads mm-hmm. because attention is the asset. We have attracted about 30% of the athletes into our program from that strategy alone from interrupting them as they're scrolling while sitting on the toilet, taking a dump. I can connect with them in, in a moment. I've got about three seconds to connect with them. They read a sponsored ad. They click the link. They register their interest. I then have a, a very targeted conversation. I qualify them. I book them in for testing. We then take them through an incredible testing experience. And then I give them an opportunity to sign up on that day that is better than if they walk away and then decide to join later. So interruption-based marketing, and that could be for, um, it wouldn't matter what service you provide, there would be a way to use interruption-based marketing to improve the amount of reach. That's step two. Step three is have you optimized intent-based marketing? Organic, interruption, intent. Intent is, is when someone searches strength and conditioning coaches, Melbourne, Box Hill, Chelsea, whatever. Have you, are you there and in the fight? Most coaches are, the answer is no, they're not in the fight. They're not even on the the fucking Google search engine for Christ's sake. Like how do you think you're going to get ahead when the most used search engine in the world you're, you're, you're completely absent from? Hmm. And about 30 to 40% of people will search. They will be the top of, they'll be so interested in the solution. They've decided at this point in time that strength conditioning is the solution for them. They're literally typing in you. You're the strength and conditioning coach. And if you're in Chelsea, you fucking better be there. Mm. And if you're not, you're not playing the game. You're on the sideline. And then you're wondering why your business isn't where it wants to, where you want it to be. So you have to do those three things. And now that is a very high level, low resolution view of what's actually involved. There is a lot involved in that, but you need to do those three things. That's step two and that's marketing. Step three is what's the sales process like? 
most people's sales process sucks fucking garbage. They don't even know how to have a sales call with people. They don't know how to be a leader on a sales call. They don't know how to stay in control in a sales call. Most people lose control within the first 15 seconds of a call. It's going to be something like this. Um, hey, Alex, um, you know, my name's Carl. I wanted to find out more about your athlete development program. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Hmm. Yeah, Carl. Um, so the athlete development program, you know, it's, it's strength and conditioning, training, yada, yada. Cool. Um, how many times a week can I come and train? You know, you can come in as many times as you want. How much is it? It's $127 a week. No, how long do I have to join for? Uh, you know, you have to join for a year. Already, you've lost control. You are not in control of that conversation. The client's in control or yeah. the prospect's in control of that yeah. conversation. Mm -hmm. You will never close people when they're in control. You have to have control. So let's play that scenario out again. Okay. Um, hey, Alex, um, my name's Carl. I'm inquiring about the athlete development program. Great. No worries. How did you hear about us, Alex? Boom. Boom. Already flipped. Who's yeah. asking the questions? I'm asking the questions. I actually came across you on Google. Um, I, and I said, cool, what did you type in? Strength conditioning coaches. Great, cool. So you're interested in strength conditioning. Um, tell me a bit about you as an athlete. Obviously, you must play a sport. Immediately, from the very get-go, I'm in control. Yeah. And until right at the end of the conversation, about 35, 40 minutes later, do I say, hey, is there anything I haven't answered for yet do you have any questions exactly. that's 40 minutes later 40 minutes later into that conversation i've kept control i'm the leader i'm guiding the conversation i choose when to talk about prices i choose when to talk about the program i choose when to diagnose the problem i choose when we've stopped researching i'm in control most people have absolutely no idea the biggest thing i've problems. learned from your sales process through orphic is flipping it no, I'm not selling to you. You have to, you're selling to me. Like you're, yeah. you're going to join this program. You have to explain to me why you think you're a fit. And that, that paradigm shift is huge. Of course. You need to, no one, okay, let's put it this way. Someone's coming to you because they don't think they have the answers themselves, right? That's the, the general premise. If you act like a beta on that phone call, and let them control the conversation from the very first interaction that they have with you. Do you really think they're looking for you as a mentor? Mm. As their guide? Imagine if Yoda came across to Luke Skywalker as the guy who could get walked over. Luke Skywalker would have not chosen Yoda as a mentor. That's the very first thing. You have to set the power dynamic in the relationship. And you need to be the leader. Hmm. Very so. That's you know that conversation. When I have those conversations with with my mentees, it's like mind blown because I've never ever considered it this way. And then they, the poor guys, you can see the them thinking about the fifty or a hundred conversations that they've absolutely blown, and then they see them training somewhere else two weeks later. Like fuck, what did I do wrong? Well, I, I now you know. Yeah, so are you playing offense or defense? Right? Yeah, spot on. So that's the third thing. Like you need an hourly sales process. At that point in time, the fourth thing you need to try and optimize is your customer experience. How do you make the customer experience incredible? And you've got about 90 days to do it. The first 12 weeks are critical. So first of all, if your customer experience isn't at a minimum 90 days, you fucked up there. If you do, if you're the type of person that says, Hey, why don't we just start training and we'll see how it goes. See if you like it. You've already fucked up. You need to create an experience that goes through a growth and transformation cycle. No one transforms overnight. So don't do it. Like, why don't we just start with one session a week? And if you like it, we can continue. The moment you set that framing for your experience and your relationship with your client you've already fucked them up because you've already set them up for failure because the moment things get hard they can leave and training is not an easy process transforming is not an easy process you have to burn yourself up and break yourself down to rebuild and if you let someone walk away when they're at rock bottom you have done them a disservice so don't fucking do it so your customer experience needs to be transformative, supportive, encouraging, and you need to have processes in that. It's amazing to me how many clients 
um, uh, the the center of attention when they are a prospect. You 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 go ass over tit to help this fucking person when they're a prospect, but the moment they become a client of yours, and they're paying their one hundred ten dollars a week for your personal training session, forget about them. You don't text them. You don't have an onboarding process. You're not checking in with them properly. You just expect them to turn up at Wednesday at 10 a.m. Incredible how often that happens. So what is your customer experience that helps you facilitate the transformation? I've actually hired because I, I was now, no, I identified I couldn't do it myself anymore. I, I've hired an executive assistant just to onboard my athletes, just to make sure I don't fuck that up. Because I want to make sure at every single point in the way they're getting the touch points that they need to feel like they're across everything. Because it's not it's not a simple process joining an athlete's authority. You've got a lot of moving parts. Invoicing, physio, strength conditioning, booking in sessions, speed work. There's a lot of moving parts. I have an EA whose job is literally to make sure that my athletes are getting all the touch points that they need. And every opportunity, if, if there's a flag that they have, they're not sure on something that they get an opportunity to address it. Customer experience is the fourth thing that you need to optimize. And, you know, how do you celebrate their transformation? For example, go on our webpage. One of our athletes in the news, after 36 months on the sideline with repeat ACLs, boom, 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 just completed her first season. Write a fucking news article about her. Just do something to show that you actually acknowledge the achievement that she's made. Mm. Do something. Put some effort into it. You know, what can you do to celebrate the transformations that people are having? Yeah. Because this, this stuff is, don't forget about the clients who are paying week to week. They're the ones you should care about. You know, if, if you've got 45 minutes to get on a phone call with someone who hasn't joined your program, you fucking better have 45 minutes to speak to your client who is in your program. Sure. If you don't, you're doing something wrong. No, no, that's the fourth thing that a business needs to get right. And then fifth and final thing that I need to get right is do you manage your finances like a moron or do you manage your finances like an astute business owner? And everyone, most of the, well, not everyone, most of the coaches that come in says, oh, you know, I'm a really good coach, but I'm terrible at business. I'm like, well, that's your fault. You don't have to be terrible at business. It's not like you, it's not like there is any reason why you should be terrible at business and terrible at financial management. No, we have fucking Excel for God, for God's it's sake. It's really weird. People wear it like a badge of honor now as like health professionals. I'm like, yeah. that's quite dumb. It's not fucking cool. It's yeah. not cool to be broke. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. You can't help people if you're broke. Yeah, if you're just scraping by. It's not, yeah, it is not impressive. And I, I, I reject that idea that S&C coaches need to be broke. They don't need to be broke. So the fifth thing we do is how do you manage your finances? Every single week when we get our money in from our, from our debits that come in on a Friday, I sit down. It's the very first thing I do on a Friday. I get my coffee. I arrive. I close my office door and I do my financial management. And this is how it works. And it's very simple. I have five functioning accounts. I have an income holding account. That is where all money coming into the business goes. No money goes out of this. Most coaches have a money in, money out account. They never fucking know what's going on. Money comes in, money comes out, debits come in, debits come out. Who knows? So that's the first mistake you make. You need to have a dedicated income holding account. It just acts as a reservoir mm -hmm. for the money that comes in week to week. The very first next account you need is your profit account. You need to put a certain percentage of your income in to profit at a very minimum 5%. It's the second account that you need to have. That profit is for you. You extract that out of your business straight away. In our case, we divide it two ways. The next thing that you need to have is an operating expenses account for all the regular recurring expenses that, that come out of your business. That would be things like employees. That would be things like rent, um, phone, internet. You guys aren't stupid third thing that you need and that needs to be accounted for you need to know what those numbers are 
Fourth thing that you need is you need a tax and super account. Mm. You need to account for 10% of your income that came in that week because that's fucking GST, guys. Don't forget about it. That's the first thing. You then need to account for super. And then you need to, if you've got employees, you need to account for tax withheld. And depending on where you're at in your business, you may need to account for company tax. And if you're paying company tax in the first few years, get a different account because you've done it wrong. You should be rolling over your losses. Fourth thing, fourth thing you need. And then the fifth account that you need is your essentially your spending account. We have an equipment and education fund that allows us to allocate a percentage of the income that we bring in into an equipment fund that allows us to spend money. Got it. And it's, it's, it's a very, you know, you actually heard um, a conversation maybe before we started recording more, maybe when I first got on where I said, Justin, we can buy it in five weeks time. Yeah, 250, would you say? 250, I said, I put 250 bucks into the equipment fund a week. You, he wanted a $1,250 complex. Yep. We just bought uh, one of those gym aware things. Yep. Nothing in that account. You can buy it in five weeks. I'm not going to start borrowing money from another account. I'm not sure if you Perfect. heard that or not. Yeah. That's brilliant but, because then it's, how do you know when is the right time to invest in something? Well, exactly. That's how. It's, well, it's exactly. Be, uh, manage your money like it's not yours. Manage mm. it like it's not your money. And if you can just do those five things, get very clear on your offer, improve your marketing across the three channels that matter, organic, interruption-based marketing, and intent-based marketing, actually fucking stop telling yourself that you're not a salesperson. Stop buying these fucking coaches who tell you, you know, oh, if they want to join, they can join, and you just tell them what the price is. You know, fuck that. There actually is a part to play in the sales process and how you conduct yourself in those conversations do matter and don't assume that if they're keen, they'll just join because they won't. They need 10 out of 10 certainty and 10 out of 10 clarity before they sign up to you. They need to be 10 out of 10 certain that you're the right fit for them. And they need 10 out of 10 clarity on what they're actually fucking getting and what that transformation is. So you need to nail that sales process. Don't, hide behind the idea that you're not a natural salesman. No one's a natural salesman. There are just the people who decide that it's going to be something that they value and people who like to be broke. So that's the third thing. Fourth thing, actually create experiences that matter for, for your clients. Care about them. For fuck's sake, care about them. Now, generally speaking, we're, we're pretty good at that. And it's only because we probably get complacent that that falls behind. We're in a service-based industry. So let's give credit where credit's due. We generally care. But you can actually set up systems and processes that make it more obvious that you do care. I want to pause there before we go to the five because that's something I wanted to ask you. What are the the most robust systems that you guys have created now that you wish you had created on day one? Okay. Very first thing is an onboarding process. You need to be able to articulate to the people signing up to your program, whatever it is, whether it's PT or whether it's um, anything else, all the types of resources and things that they need to have in order to get the most out of their training with you, whether it's a tutorial on using MyFitnessPal, if you care about that stuff. Mm, okay. um, you know, we have tutorials on just how to book in things yep. because some people aren't so savvy and on Android. If at least yeah. one person is asked, someone else is going to ask and you don't need to explain it more than once. Of course. You know, when we had, before we sold the anti-gravity treadmill, mm. we had a tutorial on how to use the anti-gravity treadmill. Yep. This is where you get your shorts. This is how you set it up. This is how you get yourself into this freaking thing. This is how you turn it on. And we have videos. Same, we do that with the Norma Tech boots. And they get that email when they sign up. You know, save this email. It's got all the information that you need. We then follow up. My EA follows up and says, hey, Johnny, I'm just checking in. How is so-and-so settling in if it's a parent or how, how are you settling in? Do you have any questions that we hadn't answered yet? Are you unsure about anything? I'm here, just chat. Very simple email. So my EA has a, when a new athlete signs up, they get slotted in and an Excel template which flags which days they need what email. So it's all automated. Send email now. Cool, she opens up. Cool, I'll send that email. It's a template in Gmail. She doesn't have to think about it. Sends it. So, you know, those types of onboarding processes. 
Um, you know, let's say, let's say you have a semi-private training environment. Your onboarding process might be three to five one-on-one sessions that they pay extra for that allows them to uh, learn how to navigate your training platform, for example. Like, so they can spend time doing one-on-one if you, you know, use our type of terminology, like an altitude landing or tortoise shorts or MHDL. People don't know what that fuck that means. So provide some opportunities for them to understand that stuff. You know, whatever you need for them to get the most out of your training, that, that should be systemized in your onboarding. The next thing that you need to do is you need to have some type of recurring, reliable landmark that allows you to touch base back to their goals and the objective component of your training. We do performance testing every five weeks split across two different sets of tests. We essentially divide our tests down the middle because they take about an hour and a half to do total. And we split testing A gets done on week five, testing B gets done on week 10. We divide the tests across. That provides reliable touch points for us to print off our performance reports, give it to the athlete if they're an adult, give it to the parent if they're a parent and the athlete's a kid and walk them through those things. Show them their progress. Walk through what we've been focusing on. See, now that you've sorted out this this huge deficit here in your, your hamstrings, now we can start to work on X, Y, Z. You start to have those touch points because don't assume that people understand what's going on. Don't make that assumption. The next thing you need to do is, well, what systems do you have in, in place to celebrate the transformation? You know, what, what do people play sport for? They play it to win. They play it because they love it. They play it to, you know, we, we had an athlete the other day, I'm writing a news article about who won his granny. You know, write an article about that. Celebrate that. Make that a priority in your business. Because those things matter. And these are, what most people don't realize is if you put on Instagram only, it essentially disappears into the nether somewhere on your fucking grid of posts. If you write it on your website, it's much more tangible because when people go there, if they have a huge list of athletes kind of celebrating and you've set it up, properly where people can read the little headline of what's happened it builds so much credibility and you, you can go and see some examples you know young matilda um completes first full season back after 36 months on the sideline or georgia yeoman dale signs with the wanderers for 2021 and you have these as like a, a history of news because i realized that was a deficit now i'm the first person to admit my systems aren't perfect this is a, a deficit i realized that i had in my customer experience that I didn't have, I might shout them out on Instagram, but then it disappears. Yeah. Now these huge achievements are a permanent fixture on the homepage of the website. And no, it's sorry. a testimonial. It's, it's like it's the best it's testimonial possible. The best testimonial. Exactly. So, you know, can you leverage those types of things in multiple ways? Um, you know, those, those types of ideas, for example, the, the thing that blows my mind when I ask my new mentees because I do an audit, the very first time they, they start working with me, I do an audit across all these different things. It's about an hour and a half, two hour audit of all these different things of their value offering, what their transformation is, what the key benefits are, how they dimensionalize them, marketing, what are you doing for SEO? What are you doing for paid ads? What are you doing for um, your organic? We go through everything. And when I get to customer experience, say, what do you do when someone refers a new athlete to you or a new client to you? Nothing. Nothing? You do nothing? You just say, thanks for referring Sally to me and they've just generated $5,000 of revenue for you if they've signed up for a year and you've done nothing for them? Buy them some fucking event cinemas. Buy them a $100 gift voucher for a nice dinner. Spend 200 bucks on them. They won't forget. Absolutely. They've just generated, like when someone refers an athlete to us, that's $5,000 of new revenue in my business. The, Minimum. Le- the least we can do is a one $200 voucher, right? Yeah. The least we can do is shout, like, for example, we had a parent refer a friend. Parent has two kids and obviously a husband. Four. Buy them four gold class movie tickets and a hundred bucks to spend at the bar. It's 200 bucks. Who cares? You just got a new client for 200 bucks. You fucking kidding me? Mm. And they're like, oh, that's too much money to spend. Then, well, you don't think like a business person. You don't think in value of a customer. You don't think about what it, 
means to you to acquire a new client. You're not thinking like a businessman. Mm. Because as if I could say to you, Alex, I'll give you, uh, I want you to give me 200 bucks and I'll generate new clients into the Orphic education um, cert for. If you had half a brain, you'd be like, no worries, because I, I don't have to do anything and you're being a marketing engine for me. I'm happy to pay you essentially a commission, but it's not. It's actually just an acknowledgement because you don't want to tell your athletes, hey, if you ever sign up a client, I'll give you 200 bucks. You don't want to do that. You well, you could incentivize to, them. You could, but I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't, re I wouldn't recommend commercializing them. Okay. I would actually recommend just acknowledging it. Right. And it's more of a gift. surprise anyway. It's more of like a, yeah. oh, wow, I didn't expect that. Yeah, totally. And to summarize five? Financial management. Stop dealing with your business like you like to be broke. Because that's how most coaches do it. They, they live week to week. They've got one account that all their money goes in. They're still dealing cash money because they think that's going to be better. Like they don't treat this like a business. Though, I'm, there's a couple things and I know we'll finish off here. What you just gave in disproportionate value, I think is worth thousands of dollars, right? Number two, and could make people tens of thousands. Okay. So, but number two, I think is like, are you also so comfortable sharing it because you know intrinsically most people won't do like the answers are out there most people aren't gonna, just going to do it this is on the fitness mba guys and it's a free resource right. and it's always been free and none of you fucking guys like i i get to i get to find out who signs up and i speak about this and then a few people every time i speak about the fitness mba i get a notification so on so on the fitness mba but i also get a notification when you get through module one and you don't get to do module two till you do module one and then I never see module one come through. I never see it. You guys sign up to a course that has this information in it. And I actually have like templates. You can have my template for managing my finances. None of you even get there. And it's free. It's free. It just blows my mind. Oh, that's a different psychological conversation. It just blows my mind. Yeah, but you know this is this is the nature of free is it's not valued, and that's why my mentorship is eight thousand dollars. It's five thousand dollars before you get to have your first conversation with me. How long does that go for? We do five two-hour conversations for five thousand dollars. I charge a thousand dollars a conversation. Okay. Do you know what happens? You end up turning that thousand dollars into five thousand dollars because you valued the conversation. Yeah, and you get results like I mentioned before. You go from an average of $13,000 a month to an average of $25,000 a month. You do the math. Got it. I hope that was value to people. I hope, I hope they could do something with that because if you can't do something with that, I don't know what you can do with anything. Carl, to finish off, I know you got to go. Just to talk about the Cert 3 and 4, like, how's it been? Like, I, I know you've done a couple of intakes, so I wonder as a teacher and an educator, you know, what have you learned? Always learning to iterate. Um, every single time I do this cert three cert four, I'm like, you know what? I should have done that differently. Yeah. Um, and that is the, that is the beauty um, of of getting the opportunity to do multiple of these um, is that we're constantly iterating. Early on, I really thought it was valuable to teach the assessment and screening module on the front end, and it's taken me three intakes to realize actually that's not a good idea because people just don't. People don't know how to build out an assessment screening and how it fits in the bigger picture before they have at least a good understanding of movement patterns and the exercise that fit into each movement pattern and how things are going to work. And no, this is my mistake because I was thinking step-by-step. Step, I was thinking the first thing that you need to get good at is you need to be able to screen someone because you need to then be able to make decisions on how to program. Um, but, you know, that's flipped. So I've, I've done a whole bunch of flipping of, of different things over the course of the three intakes I've had a, um, I've been a part of. Yeah. Um, it's going good. We, we're actually at the stage, we, we've finished essentially the requisite theory. We're going to do one or two weeks of summation of ideas, catch-ups. I think everyone's missed at least one week, so we'll probably spend one session just going through the missed sessions um, for everyone and, and consolidate all the information. But at that point in time, 
I'm actually going to start getting them in for coaching. Now, I know we've spoken about this before. They'll essentially, there's, I think, 10 or 11 in my, maybe 11 in my intake that are all going to bring a peer who's going to commit to six weeks of training. I'm then going to shuffle those, those friends or family around so no one trains with the person that they brought. Nice. They're then going to go through a six-week training block with them, screen them, test them, set goals, do their... You just froze for a second if you can still hear me. We'll get Carl back in a second. Because it's a 26-week course to essentially make sure... Oh, did you lose me? I lost you for 15 seconds. Um, where did you lose me from? I lost you test. You said test. Okay, I said test. We test them. Um, so yeah, they're going to test them. Then they're going to write a program for them. Um, then I'm going to observe them, coaching them. I'm going to observe their program and make iterations to their program, but they're going to get chances to actually participate as a personal trainer Amazing. before they, they finish their, um, their course, which is, which is really cool. And God, I saw a freaking another post the other day from someone who was celebrating that their personal training certification was completed in four weeks as it, and it was all online and it was a celebration. And I'm like, fuck me dead. Yeah. What do you, what, what can we, I mean, practically be the change you want to see in the world, but beyond yeah. that, what do you well, do? We, well, we probably need to be doing more. Well, oh, we will. We are and we will. Yeah. So we need to be doing more. That's the first thing we can do. Um, I, I'm a firm believer um, that we are in control of, uh, of this and we get exactly what we deserve yeah and if we don't do enough to change this we will get exactly what we deserve which is underqualified underconfident and underprepared pts in this industry and pt will con continuously and consistently be an undervalued solution to people's lives it will be the first thing to go and we always say we're the, on the front line of health and fitness and mental health but for as long as we accept the standard and we walk past the standard of four-week PT courses. So as long as we put up with it and don't do more to change it, then we deserve to be the first person to go. Absolutely. Um, because we're we're not doing enough. So you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep pushing along there and and trying to spread the message and hopefully, you know, maybe a snippet like of this can get out to the Orphic community. Um, along with everything else, um, and we just got to we got to keep pushing. Absolutely, we we got to make the we got to make the four week certifiers shit their pants when they start seeing the numbers not go to them and they go to guys like us because we are improving the standard and we're not there yet. Yeah. It, we're not there yet. It's like, do you want to get fast food or do you want to go to the nice restaurant where you know you're going to get clean, healthy, organic? Produce yep. and nutrients. But you're going to sit down and you're going to wait 20 minutes. And then you're going to get course one and then you're going to wait 15 minutes until you get dessert. To experience. Yeah. The difference so between going to McDonald's and Attica. Yeah. So we need to we need to communicate that experience better. Um, and yeah. we, need to, we need to get that idea out there because realistically, I, I don't know where we're at, but I reckon if you type in personal training courses um, in a Google... We're nowhere to be seen, and so we got work to do. I'd have to double check that, but I don't know. know. I think that are we? Where are we? Well, it probably depends the type of keywords you type in. Whether it's your gym, certificate three and four, the city. Um, so we need to check that. And but if it's not, we need to address it. But the problem is, no one, no one would be. Yeah, no one would be typing in the individual gyms. We, we, we would need to look for people who have an intent to study personal training course. In general. In yes. general. Yes. And that's where we need to get to. That's all right. We're, we're young. We've got work to do. We know what work we need to do. What did Yoda say? Um, well, I actually don't know what Yoda said. Patience. <laughs> patience. He says patience. Well, yeah, indeed. Um, so, no, exciting times ahead. Absolutely. Carl, do you have any last comments, thoughts, asks of our audience? 
It, how did this get distributed? Facebook Live or? Facebook, then it goes on all podcast platforms and YouTube. Are there any questions on Facebook that people want me to answer? Nothing. No, not at the right. moment. Okay. Well then, um, no, I'll leave it there. There's a fucking golden nuggets all spread out for there to start mining. Absolutely. Carl, it's, I value these conversations and the relationship we're building very highly. So thank it's always a pleasure and I'm very honored to speak to somebody like you every single time. I really do mean that. So thank you. Yeah, it's great being here. Awesome, awesome mate. Thank Enjoy. you, Carl. See you, buddy. Bye. Carl, Woo! I hope you guys took value from that because if you can't take value from that, then I don't know what you can take value from. The answer is there. The five categories that he went over, like he told how much his, his mentorship was. Five grand, I believe, or eight grand. He just summarized it. What sounded like he, he summarized a lot of it. And there is a lot, as he says, golden nuggets in there to action. That's what these podcasts are about. That's what this education that we're trying to put out is about. Is about get, this. Who else is doing this? What other education provider is providing you this level? If you have a hundred different Cert Three and Four providers, or just education providers in general in Australia, show me, show us how many more are doing this. Is it a handful? Maybe a couple. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. So, guys, I hope that was valuable. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna need to rewatch that one and go back, take notes, and readjust my stuff because there's things I need to improve based off that conversation. This is webinar Wednesday Orphic Podcast. Every Wednesday we do this. You guys can find us on YouTube, all podcast platforms. You guys can go to our website and you can see orphiceducation.com. You can see exactly um, where we do this and all the guests we've spoken to in the past. This is the 25th. And we know we're supposed to have uh, Sean on, but unfortunately he couldn't come on. Uh, he had a, a staff member calling sick. But if you guys want to be notified, you can put your details in our website, orphiceducation.com forward slash webinar dash Wednesday. It's all there. I'm Alexander Emanuel Sandalis. You guys want to know a little more about me, you can Google me. I'm on all, all platforms that you can find if you want to see my, my, my business and my stuff and my coaching and my podcast and what I put out to the world. Thank you guys for watching. That was one of the most jam-packed, dense podcasts that we've done. And I hope you guys appreciate and take value. If you, if you are serious about doing your Surthering Forum Fitness and are not looking to just be good but to be great and excellent, we might be a good fit for you. Let us know, and we'll see if you guys are a good fit. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I'll see you guys next Wednesday. See ya.